Wow! Oh boy, we've got quite a podcast here, quite a football game to discuss here on the Chiefstone Podcast. I'm your host, Farzeen Vasugi, and thank you guys, as always, for downloading and listening to this edition of the Chiefstone Podcast. Please do subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I uh, hope you guys all had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm sure you all had a great Sunday evening or, or, or early Monday morning, depending uh, what part of the country you, you live in. Uh, man, that was crazy. What do you even say after a game like that? So it's a roller coaster of emotions. And listen, I'm 25. And those of you who know who know little about me, I've mentioned this on the podcast before. You know, being from Iran, not being a big sports fan as a kid, uh, I got into sports at a fairly late age. Uh, I think I was 10, 11 years old. Uh, so I, I, I got into sports at a late age compared to a lot of kids. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I still have a good understanding of the history of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but, but, but I've gone back and forth in my head. Is this the best game in Chiefs history? Now, of course, that's excluding the Super Bowl win, uh, you know, maybe a couple other playoff games uh, in, in the past. But, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, look, I, I know some of the, I, I guess, the biggest game that's ever b- occurred in Chiefs history, again, outside of the Super Bowl, is that Monday night game between Elway and Montana. But here's the thing, I can say that, but I don't know what that game was like, because I knew the result. I, I, there's The game is on YouTube, it's in uh, different, different clips, uh, 11 or 12 different videos, so I've watched the game before. But knowing what happened, I wasn't—I mean, I wasn't emo- emotionally invested into it like I was with this game. So you know, you know, I I can't speak as much as to whether or not this is the best game in franchise history. So I've looked on Twitter and Facebook just to see what what people older than me have said, and a lot of people have said that in their whatever many years of existence that this is their favorite Chiefs game of all time. This is the best game that they have ever seen. Again, I can't really speak to this. You know, if I was if I was around, well, I was around. I was just super young. I didn't even know what football was at the time. But uh, if I was watching that Montana Elway showdown on Monday night, I, I probably would have been crazy invested, uh, like I was with this game. I, I don't know. I, it's easier said than done in situations like that because, again, uh, I mean that's that's a game that I. I, I knew about it after it happened. It's one of those things. So, uh, th- this is up there. <laughs> this is, I mean, in terms of recent history with everything I've seen in Chiefs history, I mean, the Dante Hall reverse runaround uh, punt return touchdown against the Broncos, and then the following week, and this is all in 2003, of course, the following week against the Packers, the game that went to overtime. Uh, Gosh, trying to think of a couple other games. Uh, you know, that upset win against the Steelers in 09 and Haley's first year. Uh, trying to think of more games. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't have a, a list in front of me of games that at least I have seen live as they've happened. Uh, definitely a couple games the past couple of years with the Chiefs. A uh, couple of them losses. Uh, yeah, and of, of course, the playoff win last year. That was not necessarily an exciting game. But it was a pretty special moment for a lot of Chiefs fans. So I think any Chiefs fan, uh, you know, regardless of when you were born, I think that's still a special moment for a lot of Chiefs fans. That's the first time they actually were born or even actually saw a Chiefs win. Uh, yeah, sure, some of us might have been born like myself, but 
Uh, we were, uh, I mean, we, it's not like we have a good recollection of uh, of the last playoff win when the Chiefs defeated the Oilers, a team that doesn't exist anymore. So uh, this is, uh, I mean, this is one of those games, uh, a roller coaster of emotion. Sure, you love those 49-0 blowout wins, but this is why we love sports people. This is why. Sometimes, I mean, things, I mean, it's all doom and gloom, and it seems impossible, and then when your team does the impossible, and not only that, the way the game ended with uh, Santos kicking uh, kicking it right into the upright, but at the perfect spot to make sure it stays in, within, the, I mean, beyond the goalpost to split the uprights, basically. So, it, it, it's a crazy roller coaster of emotions, this game. And we'll touch on it shortly in a moment, but gosh, you've got to appreciate what this Chiefs team has done. And I'll get to that in a moment. Facebook.com slash Sportscaster Farzine, that's my Facebook page, or search my name Farzine Vesugian, or follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You can send me a tweet on there. Uh, Guys, uh, tons of interaction on the social media pages, and no surprise, uh, a lot has happened uh, in the past 24 to 36 hours, depending when you're listening to this podcast. this is, uh, this is, it's one for the ages. Uh, this is going to be discussed for a while. This is definitely going to be a difference maker as to who wins the division and maybe who misses the playoffs because don't look now, five games left in the season and guess who holds the number six seed? It's not the Denver Broncos. It's the Miami Dolphins. So if the playoffs were to begin today, after this week, the Broncos are not in the playoffs. That just shows you how big of a game this was. If the, if this was the other way around, and again, listen, I know people are compa- complaining about ugly wins and all the negative things we went through, how bad the offense was. Can we just stop complaining and appreciate and enjoy the thrilling win? Let me ask you this: Would you rather be on? Would you rather be going through what Broncos fans are going through right now? Would you would you rather have taken the loss? No, you would rather have gotten the ugly win. And look, even if Denver won this football game, this would have been ugly for them because, I mean, if they won in overtime, yeah, sure, well, they blew an eight-point touchdown uh, late in the game. Uh, Oh, yeah, they also allowed a safety and a kick return touchdown. And, I mean, look, this was an ugly... I feel like as Chiefs fans, we truly do get caught up in ugly wins. I mean, if you want to find me a football team that plays... 59 minutes and 59 seconds of perfection, perfect football, you're not going to find it. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, the New England Patriots, as great as they are, the New York Jets gave them a run for their money this past week. The Oakland Raiders and the Carolina Panthers. Carolina, of course, not doing too hot this year. What do they do in this game? After trailing 24-7, the Panthers come back and at one point were leading in this game. Now, the Raiders obviously came away with the win, but are Raiders fans complaining about how ugly it was and that they almost blew the game? No! They're talking about how they they survived, room for improvement, but they won and they're going to move on. As Chiefs fans, we need to start having that mindset. Start having the mindset of, look, wasn't pretty, we have stuff to improve on, but let's move on. Like, forget the, like, I hate the word ugly win, and I know I've, I've said it, but I've used it in quotes 
uh, because I'm saying that so sarcastically, uh, people are expecting a touchdown every single drive, and you're just not going to get that. You're just not. Um, and I think this is this this game. I mean, look, the Chiefs scored 30 points. And again, say what you want about the offense. I I I don't know what happened, but as soon as people who were on the Alex Smith bandwagon, like myself, the very few people left, as soon as they all got off it after last week, Alex Smith and the Chiefs' offense go out there. And keep in mind, they're without their number one wide receiver and running back in Jamal Charles and Jeremy Macklin. The Chiefs in that final uh, drive before the end of regulation and those two overtime drives. Those were the three best drives the Chiefs had this year. And I know the last one was kind of an easy one because Denver did the Chiefs a huge favor by giving them amazing uh, field position with just, what, 63 seconds left in the game. But look, you take advantage of what's given to you. You never apologize for that in the NFL or in sports at all. So let's get away from this whole mindset of winning ugly. Again, you're not going to find a team that plays perfect football from the opening kickoff to the final whistle. You're just not. Do you need me to remind you who won the Super Bowl last year? You guys all know which team it was. That's the team the Chiefs went up against this week. Now, how did they get to the Super Bowl? Probably the ugliest road to the Super Bowl ever. But guess what? Denver fans aren't complaining that they had an ugly Super Bowl win. No, it wasn't the most exciting victory, but it was a Super Bowl win. The Kansas City Royals, they certainly didn't have the most... I I think the Royals are a perfect comparison and a perfect example here. The Royals definitely did not have the most exciting offense in the regular season, but for some reason in the playoffs in 2014 and 2015, all of a sudden this Royals baseball team starts playing lights out they start hitting home runs in the postseason this offense could come together in the playoffs assuming the Chiefs do get there who knows but as of right now instead of being what 7-3-1 or 7-4 the Chiefs are 8-3 the Broncos are 7-4 and and it's not a very pretty 7-4 either and again I I know you know I just kind of use the Ugly, <laughs> ugly win there. But for uh, for the Broncos, they have an ugly seven and four record. And I only say that because they're not in the playoffs right now, or I, they don't have a playoff spot at the moment. I should say. So say what you want about how this win came about. A win is a win in the National Football League. If you want to look back at that game against the Carolina Panthers, yeah, no offensive touchdowns. I, I use that example with the with the uh, Baltimore Ravens in twenty twelve. Uh, go back and listen to that podcast. And I, I do want to say one other thing about this Chiefs team and just how they overcome adversity. And I don't know what it is with this Chiefs offense. This is, statistically speaking, one of the worst offenses in the NFL this season. But for some reason, and again, I, I, I guess... We can go to that Kansas City Royals comparison, and it's not often that you can say that there are a lot of similarities between your favorite baseball team and your favorite football team. A lot of you guys are a Royals fans. Some of you guys aren't. I understand that. But again, uh, the way it's worked, this offense for three and a half quarters are just playing really bad football. We saw it against the Chargers on opening week. 
We saw it against the Panthers. And again this week against the Broncos. And again, say what you want about that Panthers game. And I know the Chiefs didn't get an offensive touchdown. And they missed an easy opportunity uh, when Smith overthrew Kelsey. But still, that offense did what it needed to do to help Cairo Santos get four field goals in that game. I mean, Santos doesn't even have a chance to get those four field goals if the offense can't get within field goal range. And I think we forget that sometimes because we get too caught up in getting upset over the fact that the Chiefs did not get a touchdown and have to settle for a field goal. Listen, you take points in the NFL. You do. If the Chiefs went for, I mean, if they went for it on fourth down in that Panthers game, one of the Panthers games, or one of the fourth downs in the Panthers game, pardon me, you don't win that game. You don't. The winning streak would have been sapped one week sooner. The way this Chiefs offense is, again, I don't know... It's hard to talk about why comebacks happen with some teams. But at the end of the day, I think every single professional athlete has this mindset of do not quit until the final second. I think as kids, well, I mean, when we start playing sports, we're always taught, hey, look, play until the final whistle. Play hard. Give it 100% until you, feel, you, you hear the final whistle or, or the final horn, whatever. And this Chiefs team is doing exactly that. They are bad. And it's, I, you, you've got to credit Andy Reid for this too. And Alex Smith. Uh, not the most ideal way to go about this. But again, better to have it this way than lose. Andy Reid, Alex Smith, the rest of this offense, however they do it, they find a way to do it. They find a way to do it. They keep battling until... The final seconds. That's that, that's all we can ask for from from a team. It really is. And what a showdown this was on Sunday Night Football. You of course had arguably two of the best pass rushers in the NFL from the past couple of years in Von Miller and Justin Houston. And I know Houston's been subsided a little bit because of the injuries he's had the past couple of seasons. But uh, he got started last week and got his feet wet. He came back for the first time in a while, of course. But uh, he showed up in this game. almost. I mean, he was in pro Bowl form. He really was. He had the three sacks in the first half. Looked like he was on pace to get Derek Thomas's record. And it could not have gone to a better guy if someone's going to shatter that record. Uh, but nonetheless... Uh, kind of a, I wouldn't say a rough second half for Justin Houston, but, uh, he still went out there and did a lot of damage. Uh, not statistically speaking, but this is a guy, I mean, the way he pressured Trevor Simeon throughout that second half, uh, I mean, he forced some incompletions there and forced him to get rid of the ball sooner than he wanted to on several occasions, uh, forcing a short pass on third down when, uh, after that play, the Denver Broncos had to send their punting unit out there. So, uh, Justin Houston did a lot in the second half, too. It doesn't show up statistically, but, you know, if you if you watch the game film, if you go back and watch that defense, which, by the way, uh, credit to Chris Courtney, uh, who's a, a follower uh, of mine on Twitter, also likes the Facebook page. He told me that the game is going to be on Tuesday at 10 p.m. I don't know if that's Eastern time, Central time, whatever. Hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast in time, 
you can DVR it, because I'm definitely DVRing the heck out of that game, keeping it on there for a long, long time. And by the way, speaking of, uh, I guess, some of the best games ever, I, I, that Chargers game uh, on Monday Night Football on Halloween where now Rivers fumbled the snap, that, that just came to mind. Uh, I, 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 like I said, I didn't have a list prepared for that. Uh, I, I would have to actually sit down and go through that. Well, we're not going to do that on this podcast, but uh, nonetheless, I, I mean, Justin Houston, uh, what he did in this game, was pretty big. Definitely one of the difference makers. I think having Marcus Peters, just his presence in this game, was another difference. They didn't even throw it his direction until late in the fourth quarter. And, I mean, he was questionable coming into this game. So, I was a little worried he may not have played in this game. Thankfully, he did because, had he not, I think Trevor Simeon would have picked on whoever would be filling in for him, DJ White or, or whoever, and uh, it would have been a long day for the Chiefs. Uh, defensively against the pass. If you told me that the Chiefs were going to get 83 yards off 26 carries in this game, which is a 3.2 yard per carry average, I would have said there's no way the Chiefs are winning this football game. There's just no way. Because the Denver Broncos are one of the worst teams in the NFL when it comes to stopping the run. And if you cannot run the football on the Broncos, what chance do you have of winning? That's the question I asked myself and... Again, what I said a moment ago about how this team battles until the final second, they 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 found other ways to win. Of course, special teams and defense had a big hand in this game. The uh, the rushing attack, I don't know what's going on with this rushing unit. It's not as good as it, as it was last year and, and early to start the season. Uh, but definitely missing Jamal Charles for sure. But they still let a few things out there to to help move the move the chains on, on a few occasions so uh it, it's not like the their running game was completely horrible from start to finish there were there were some bright spots especially late in the in the game in the fourth quarter and in overtime so uh the chiefs found a found a way to to use the running game well in in certain occasions but not a whole lot just enough to give you the win Let's just go to the fourth quarter because, I mean, the, the Tyreek Hill punt return touchdown and Tyreek Hill had a hell of a game. Got to give it up to him. And I saw ESPN uh, had the stat of uh, that Tyreek Hill is the first player to return a touchdown, rush for a touchdown, and catch a touchdown in the same same game since Gale Sayers. Gale Sayers, former Kansas Jayhawk. So uh, it's been a very long time. And a great guy, by the way. I, I've interviewed him, met him uh, through a friend of mine. At KU, uh, super nice guy. One of the best guys I've ever come across and had the pleasure of interviewing. Uh, Gale Sayers, last time that's ever happened. I mean, Tyree kills a rookie, and he's already putting his name beside Gale Sayers in the record books. And I'll get to Tyree Kill in a moment because there's a really important subject I do want to discuss regarding Ty- Tyree Kill. But, I mean, the, the, the fourth quarter, man, uh, that, uh, that was the craziest... Fourth quarter I've ever seen in football. Uh, from that weird penalty of a coach, Gary Kubiak, running into a ref. Uh, the, the the touchdown pass from Trevor Simeon to Emmanuel Sanders to make it 17-16, uh, getting a one-point lead. And then the touchdown pass, uh, the 76-yard touchdown pass to Benny Fowler, uh man, uh, that 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 to me, I think for everyone was the game. That really was. 
Uh, I mean, the, how could you have seen Kansas City trying to recover from that? I don't think anyone saw that coming. Uh, but like I said, this Chiefs football team, they find ways to keep going. They do. So what happens next? Well, uh, Alex Smith and the Chiefs offense, they went to work. 13 play drive, 75 yards, and on what might have been the closest call you will ever see between a touchdown and a no call at the one-yard line. I mean, it stopped at the one-yard line. Uh, the Chiefs cap it off with a touchdown pass to Tyree Kill. And who do they go to for the two-point conversion? Well, Tyree Kill goes to the sideline, so he's not even in it on the two-point conversion. That certainly had to have thrown off Denver because if if I'm going for two, I want Tyree Kill on the field. Uh, you know, maybe you give it to him. Maybe maybe you use him as a decoy. But if you told me that the plan was to throw it to Demetrius Harris, I, I would have covered my eyes in that moment because Demetrius Harris, who's who's dropped a, a, a quite, he's dropped a lot of passes this year for the Chiefs, has not been a pretty season for Demetrius Harris. He gets a two point conversion, and guess who he does it against? He does it against Chris Harris, who's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. When it comes to, I mean, just overall cornerback play, but also has not allowed a lot of touchdowns. This obviously this was not a touchdown, but it was it was a play to get the ball into the end zone. So it's it's it was essentially like a touchdown right there that Chris Harris allowed. So uh, he allowed points into the end zone. Basically, I mean, I, I, there's no stat for that. I don't know how Pro, fo- pro Football Focus uh, calculates those kinds of plays on two point conversions because he only allowed two rather than six, but still. You went up against the best cornerback in the NFL, and uh, you got that two-point conversion that you needed to tie the game. So, going into overtime, of course, the Broncos started off, and it really looked like Denver was going to get a touchdown, but the Chiefs hold them to a field goal. Uh, Cairo Santos and the Chiefs, they respond with a field goal, but what, what, with 4.32 left in the game, or in overtime, I should well, and in the game. And at that point, as the and Mike Tirico mentioned this too, as the as the drive went on for the Chiefs, I thought to myself, this game could end in a tie, and we've already had enough controversy this year with ties that happen on back to back weeks. One of them being on Sunday Night Football. So the Broncos did what they did. And this is where a lot of people are talking about the 62-yard attempt from McManus, which went wide left, had the distance, just not the accuracy. And I think he admitted after the game that he actually ended up kicking the grass more than he he got contact with the football. Um, this is This is the thing, man. On that situation, do I think kicking the field goal is a bad call? No. However, I would have gone for it. I definitely would not have punted the football because at that point you're playing to tie. And I really, I mean, look, I remember in 2006 when the Chiefs needed the 49ers to beat the Broncos to get that final wildcard spot. Yes, the Broncos could have tied in overtime against the 49ers and would have won uh, the, the last wildcard spot. So in that situation, yes, I play for the tie because playing for the tie is essentially playing for the win because you get that final wild card spot. But in this case, when you still have five weeks left in the, in the season, play to win. So I'm and look, I'm trying to be objective and of course trying to talk from a Denver Broncos standpoint. I'm glad that 
Gary Kubiak did not want to punt the football because that is essentially playing to tie, which we all hate. And I think even as Chiefs fans, we can respect the fact that he tried to go out there and win the game. I just don't agree with going for a 62-yard field goal because McManus has never made a 62-yard field goal before. So I, I would have gone for it on 4th and 10. I like my chances trying to get 10 yards versus a 62-yard field goal. I mean, what, 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 play your odds there. What's more likely? Converting on 4th and 10 or the 62-yard field goal? And that was a, a dangerous drive, by the way, too, because the way Denver was moving the football, and of course, at this point, it was next score wins, so a field goal could have sealed the deal. And after they picked up their last first down that they got, I thought, one more first down, and they were easily within McManus's range. And, of course, Justin Houston and the Chiefs, I mean, they they went out there, put pre- kept, kept putting pressure on uh, Simeon. And then, of course, Benny Fowler, of course, had that big touchdown play against Philip Gaines, which yeah, I didn't get into much on that. Philip Gaines' awareness definitely has to drop on, on Meta when they update the rosters this week, but... Uh, the the one play that Benny Fowler is going to be remembered for is not the 76-yard touchdown catch and run. It's going to be that catch that he dropped on, what was it, third down? A third and 10, right before the 62-yard field goal attempt. And again, that 62-yard field goal attempt, what did that do? Again, I still think it's the right call, but that gave Kansas City the football at the 48-yard line. That's why I would have gone for it on 4th and 10 because even if I don't complete it, at least I'm not giving the Chiefs field position already beyond midfield. But that's what Gary Kubiak went for. Again, uh, he shouldn't be crushed about it too much because he was playing to win rather than to tie. And you've got to try to to, to win in that situation because... I think even then you kind of know with football teams when they rally, when they try to get that comeback, they've really got a lot of momentum. So I think that was another thing that would have gone into Gary Kubiak's thought process there. So the Chiefs, what do they do in four plays, 32 seconds, uh, just run run the clock out for as much as they can while moving the football. And for those asking why do you run out the clock in overtime, in case it's a miss... You don't want to give Denver a chance for a Hail Mary. And I know Hail Mary, the the odds are very low, but it's happened before. So you you don't want to let that happen either. And, of course, the way this this happened, like the field goal. uh, And Tariko even said it himself on the broadcast. That is the perfect ending to this football game. That was a roller coaster of emotions. Take this win. Just take it. Because guess what? Even though the Oakland Raiders are leading the AFC West, they don't control their own destiny. Kansas City actually does. It sounds funny, I know. But if Kansas City wins this week against Atlanta and uh, next Thursday against the Raiders at Arrowhead, which, by the way, is the first of three straight home games, the Chiefs get first place back in the AFC West. So yes, the Raiders are I mean they're 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 in the lead so they they could control their own destiny by winning out because that would also include a win over the Chiefs. But the Chiefs 
winning the next two games could also, I mean, they automatically end up in a spot where they control their own destiny. So the way I think of it is, yes, the Chiefs are one game behind in the AFC West. However, if they went out, they actually control their their own destiny. They actually run the AFC West. And here's why they control the AFC West. He's a big... First of all, they won against the Raiders before, which is why the Chiefs had a two-seed uh, just a couple weeks ago. The second reason is that if the Chiefs and Raiders end up splitting, but if they have the same record, Kansas City is in great position to possibly still win this division because of their 3-0 and record right now in the division. 3-0. and And three more division games left. And guess what? Two of them against the Raiders and the Broncos... Are at home. So if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, I would I could not have thanked the schedule makers anymore. Uh, I mean, this is the perfect... Uh, which, by the way, the Raiders have the worst December schedule. They have three division games to finish the season. And they're not, they're not all consecutive, but in the final five weeks, those three division games they have are all on the road. That is the worst... Scheduled to have in the final phase of the season. This is why, if you're Kansas City, you have to take advantage of the schedule the way it's it, it, they created it. Three games in a row in December, and you've got two of your division opponents. Which, which by the way, it just so happens that these two are also competing with you to win the AFC West are right there competing with you so you can beat them at, at your own turf and control your own destiny. And I've got to admit, I was really nervous after last week's loss against the Bucks and all the injuries the Chiefs are dealing with and the tough schedule coming up. I really don't anymore. I know I have been a huge critic of Andy Reid's and the Chiefs about who they've beaten. I mean, if this was college football, we have to be careful with the Chiefs because who have they beaten in the two post in the two years that they have made the postseason in 2013 and 2015, they don't have qual- a lot of quality wins or any quality wins during those two years. In 2016, the Chiefs have a pair of quality division wins, not even at Arrowhead on the road. I do want to touch on a subject of luck with the Kansas City Chiefs for a moment because have the Chiefs been lucky this year? Absolutely, they've been lucky. Now, I know what a lot of people are saying, especially if you're not a Chiefs fan. If you're a, a, a Chargers or a Broncos or Raiders fan, you're thinking, oh, well, they're lucky. They're not going to make it far in the in the postseason. Okay, sure. But let me say this about luck. Because I truly do believe that it does take skill to have luck. It really, I, I truly do think so. And here's what I mean by that. Because great teams... Find a way to overcome adversity. Royals, you guys may may remember a Royals game in 2014 in August be, uh, between the uh, Royals and the Twins. Royals were down 1-0 in the bottom of the ninth. Alex Gordon with a man on first smacks a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth. And right before that home run, Royals broadcaster, Hall of Fame broadcaster, Denny Matthews, he said, great teams find a way to win in these situations. And as soon as he said that, Alex Gordon smacked that walk-off home run to make it 2-1 to one Royals, the final score. What Denny Matthews said applies in this situation for the Chiefs. 
The situation the Chiefs have been against the Chargers, the Texans, the Panthers, Bucks, and Broncos, in those five games where they played from behind and had to rally, they found a way to come away victorious in three of them. And I know that that Bucks game wasn't the prettiest ending, but they still tried to rally. That Texans game, probably going to be the toughest loss of the season because it was such a winnable game and the, and the defense really just held the Texans uh, as low as they could in that game and the offense could not get going. But bottom line, yes, luck does play a role. And I, I truly do think luck has, I mean, luck, it's, it can be inherited by, by skill. I really do because, let me put it this way, great teams. Every single team at some point has luck on their side. But great teams, like the Chiefs, how they've been this season at 8-3, they get luckier more times than not. And I don't know how it works out in sports. I really don't. People joke about scripts and and how it's going to be a storybook ending. But in these situations, the way they work... And I'm trying to word this correctly because it is a little hard to explain. But at the end of the day, great teams still find a way to be lucky. I'll use the Patriots as an example from their, what was it, 2007 season when they went undefeated in the the regular season. They had a couple of really close games in in that season that could have prevented them from going 16-0. I think it was against the Baltimore Ravens. If I'm not mistaken, or the Jets. I don't remember which game it was, but one of the the Patriots receivers caught a touchdown, caught it with his fingers. Couldn't actually put his whole hand on the football, but with his fingertips, actually held onto the ball and barely had his feet in bounds. I mean, that, that to me, that's luck right there. And the Patriots were a great team. And the Patriots, and that was not their only game. There were a couple games where the Patriots uh, had to overcome adversity in some of their games. Great teams do find a way to be lucky sometimes. It's weird. It sounds weird, but that's true. The Chiefs against the Chargers. Uh, I mean, the the way that they came through. (laughs) Uh, Not not the most ideal. I I get it. And I know the the Chargers coaching. I, I mean, that was a disaster uh, defensive game plan in the in the fourth quarter, going in prevent prevent defense, but still the Chiefs find a way to come through. I, I guess a perfect example would be in this Broncos game when Cairo Santos kicked that game winning field goal. There was a lot of luck when he hit that crossbar. Okay, I, I mean when when you hit the post right there, it can come straight back at you, at your direction. It can go straight to the left, straight to the right, depending where 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 it gets hit. For Santos, he hit it, and 99 times out of 100, it's a a scary feeling when you hit that post. But when you do, or at least when Santos did, uh, the direction it went to, how it bounced off, it went in the direction it needed to go to split the uprights. That, to me, is also luck right there. The way the Chiefs uh, defeated the Panthers... Uh, Cam Newton played a really great game, and then he makes one throw, one mistake 
in that game, and it's an interception to Eric Berry, and Eric Berry, who's bouncing off defenders. I mean, they were they, they were offensive players one minute, then they became defenders, breaking tackles, getting a lot of great blocking from guys who don't even practice blocking much because they're defensive players, not offensive players. He gets into the end zone. I, I consider that a little bit of luck as well. More so from Cam Newton's side, not necessarily the whole defensive blocking and, and breaking tackles. So there is some luck that's involved with the Chiefs this season. And great teams, I truly do believe, find a way to be even more lucky than mediocre teams or bad teams. I mean, look at the, look at the Cleveland Browns right now. They have absolutely no skill, but not even luck. If they could just have one bounce go their way. I mean, maybe they could win one game and it could be from luck. And you take that. Uh, the, the the fumble uh, from Norwood when he was trying to get that punt return, it ends up hitting his face mask and then the Chiefs fell on it because that's a fumble right there. That to me is luck too. I mean, maybe you might disagree with the term saying that it takes skill to have luck. If you disagree with that, fine. But maybe you could agree with the statement of luck could luck could go your way more times than not. Maybe that could be a more agreeable statement. I don't know. Because to me, this Chiefs team has been lucky. But I'll take lucky and ugly wins. <laughs> I'll take those because... The Broncos did that a lot last year. The Broncos were quite lucky last year, too. And again, the Broncos, very great team, especially defensively. And I think luck helped carry the Broncos to a Super Bowl win last year. Great teams find a way to be lucky. They just do. They don't have control of luck necessarily, but it just ends up going their way. That's exactly what's happened to the Chiefs more times than not this season. I want to take a moment and talk about Tyreek Hill. Not necessarily the game he had, uh, but just the just the uh, the perception of Tyreek Hill since he got drafted. Um, look, I know Bob Fesco uh, from Six Ten Sports, who we've had on the, on the podcast before, hopefully again in the future sometime. Uh, I know he was very vocal about the Chiefs drafting him and why the I mean this how this puts a dark cloud on the franchise gives gives the team a bad look and i can under, understand where he's coming from i mean look any i know as guys we tend to be protective of the women in our family you know our our, our mothers grandmothers aunts uh sisters cousins i i mean i don't have a sister but, but i have a lot of female cousins um i mean if if any of them touch any of my cousins that way I, I, I'd be angry. Anyone would. And, and rightfully so. And I've got to be very careful with this subject. Because this is a very sensitive subject. Uh, some people have dealt with this on a daily basis throughout their lives, unfortunately. Hopefully, none of you listeners have. Maybe some of you have at one point. Um, it's, a, it's a very sensitive sub- subject. And we see domestic violence a lot in the NFL. And, and it was brought up on the broadcast, too, with uh, with what the Chiefs went through not too long ago, uh, just four years ago, with uh, Jovan Belcher and the incident that went down at his home and then at the Arrowhead Stadium practice facility. So 
Uh, I mean, this is uh, this is a subject a little uh, cl- close to home as fans because uh, we we've seen a, a guy on our team uh, commit commit this act in a, in a very big manner. Uh, Greg Hardy uh, from the, of course joined the Dallas Cowboys. He got a lot of attention for this. Ray Rice from the Ravens. Uh, he's not in the league anymore because of what he did as soon as the the footage was revealed. A lot of people were against Tyreek Hill coming in, and the Chiefs were—I mean, they definitely addressed the criticism here when uh, when he got drafted shortly afterwards, at least. And I remember John Dorsey saying that you know he doesn't have a secure roster spot, and that he's got to do a few things to make sure that he can learn from his mistakes and move on and be a better person from it. So I guess at that point you say, okay, I mean the Chiefs are giving him a chance, but at the same time they're they're keeping a close eye on him and making sure that he's doing what he needs to do to one learn from his mistake and two make sure he doesn't do it ever again. And look at Andy Reid's track record because he was the guy who signed Mike Vick. I mean he gave Mike Vick a chance in Philadelphia, and we all know. What Mike Vick did with the dogfighting and how he was in prison for almost two years. It was Andy Reid who gave Mike Vick that opportunity. When Donovan McNabb moved on and when Mike Vick became the new starter in Philadelphia, he won Comeback Player of the Year. I mean, he really did turn his life around, uh, not just personally, but also professionally as well. And a lot of that has to do with Andy Reid. Marcus Peters coming out of college. uh, You know, I mean, he's been known for more negative than positive for his college career. Guess what? Andy Reid takes a risk, drafts him. Uh, I'm sure there was some maturity talk and uh, some conversations about what needs to be done in order to to stay as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. And what do you know? Uh, I mean, you've seen nothing but good things from Marcus Peters, at least publicly. And on the field, well, he he's been a he's been a force to be reckoned with defensively with his hands. Uh, one of the best when it comes to taking away the football. I guess now the I mean the next person on the list Tyree Kill, uh, yeah, another guy who is maturing, growing, and learning uh, his mistakes under Andy Reid. I don't know what it is about Andy Reid. I don't know exactly what goes on behind closed doors, what's said uh, to help these players. But man, I, I've got to say on a personal level, God bless Andy Reid because you know i have a lot of respect for counselors because those are people who who have a tough job and their their job is to help troubled people learn from their mistakes and, and avoid them moving on uh i mean if there was no such thing as football i think andy reed would have a successful career as a counselor I, again i don't know exactly what he is doing or what help he has recruited to help guys like mike vick marcus peters tyree kill uh but these guys have turned their turned their lives around. I mean, when Tyreek Hill goes to score that touchdown, you see De'Anthony Thomas next to him giving they're high fiving at the six yard line. You just see that camaraderie and that personal relationship with these players here. So it's not. I mean, I'm sure the Chiefs knew about it when he was drafted. I mean, they all did. A lot of them they they're married. They have kids. Some of them have daughters, sisters, moms, grandmothers. You get the idea. And at that point, when I saw that, I I just thought to myself, you know what? Sure, he he's done some things in the past, but he's learned from it and he's moved on. And I, and I said this on Twitter 
Uh, and I apologize, I, I don't have uh, the name of the gentleman who I was interacting with with the subject. Uh, I'll try to pull it up real quickly as I, as I talk. But Lenny, Lenny on uh, on uh, Twitter, supercharge twenty eight. Uh, I mentioned how I'm all for learning from your mistakes and improving. Can we all agree on that? I mean, whatever wrongdoing you've committed in the past, and I, look. I have I've had my mistakes in the past. I've done some things. We've all done some things. We all look back at some of our mistakes, regardless of how big they were or how little those mistakes were. We've all made some sort of mistakes in the past, and and we cringe. I mean, I just thinking now some of the things that I have said or done as as a as a kid, uh, or, or or when I was a college student, I cringe and think, what the hell was I thinking at the time? You know, if the 25-year-old right now could give advice to the 21, 19, 18-year-old in me, 16-year-old, whatever, uh, I mean, I would have a lot to say. And I'm sure everyone would feel the same way, but, you know, that's life. You learn from it, and you've got to make sure you, you don't let that happen again. And by all means, I'm not I'm not saying Tyreek Hill should have a free pass for what he's done. John Dorsey did say that he's got to follow a certain protocol and, and make sure he's got to... Uh, have have some things in order to number one learn from it and number two not let it happen again. And obviously, earning a spot on the team proves that he has followed their directions and has done some things to try to make his life right. Sure, we can forgive and not forget. We can do that, but at at, at this point, you know he's he's done what he's did and. I think Tyreek Hill, more than anyone, he has regrets. I mean, he knows what he did. And like I said, you know, cringing about your past, I'm sure he cringes when he when, when he thinks about what he's done in the past. And that's something he's got to he's got to live with. But he can also improve it, uh, improve from it. That's all we can ask for from a person when they when they do something wrong and they want to make up for it. Whatever I mean, whatever good deed they want to do, and I think his recent success ha- has given Chiefs fans a newfound level of love for him. Uh, and, and maybe Chiefs fans are saying, "Okay, he deserves a second chance." And I don't want to say that just based on the fact that he's playing better football for the team, uh, but I think he's definitely a guy who he's earned it because uh, because he's followed the orders. Obviously, the Chiefs are not going to detail as to what he's done, but I think we know enough to say that he's he's found a way to make up for his past. I brought the subject up on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine, and I wanted to hear your thoughts. So I, I'm going to read some of your guys' comments. Uh, Adrian says, everyone deserves a second chance. He made a mistake. He paid for it. Been a great pick, in my opinion, since day one. Chris said, uh, I trust that the front office and coach, and by the way, this is the same uh, guy, Chris, who told me that the Chiefs uh, and Broncos game will be replayed on NFL Network. So a big thanks to Chris uh, and a shout out to him for uh, letting me know about that on Twitter. Uh, He said, I I trust that the front office and the coaches are the right ones to give him the second chance. Jacob says, as long as he tries to fix it, no problem. Uh, Nate had a longer response, said his old coach at Oklahoma State said some really good things about him today. Uh, on, on Monday, referring, uh, he's learned uh, his lesson. He's paid his debt to society. His old coach is very happy for him. To me, that is enough to move on from something that happened a few years ago when he was a kid in college. And I, th- I think his 
pregnant fiance at the time, I, I, I think, you know, her stance on this would matter as well, too, uh, to add on to, to Nate's comment. Uh, John had a very good comment here. I, I, I like what he had to say. He said, we had this conversation at work. I think the Chiefs put too much stock in a person's personal reputation. If he can produce, grab him. It's on the coaching staff to tone his actions down. The Patriots with Bill Belichick, and I'm glad he brought this up because this is something that I had in mind as well. Bill Belichick is a great example. Look what he did with Randy Moss. We only limit ourselves when we cut our, quote, potentials list due to bad behavior. That being said, there are still undesirables that don't need to be here. Maybe just lower the bar a bit, and uh, we all want the same thing, a Super Bowl. Uh, Lucas said, uh, I like the pick. You have to have faith and trust. Make people, people make mistakes. Awful mistakes, but overall, just general mistakes. Let the kid learn from a great coaching staff in a in a sting environment. So, I think that's a, that's another good point he made as well. Something I, that I talked about, and again, Andy Reid has done a really great job of this in the past. Uh, Matt says, I believe with our current roster, we can take a chance on guys with quote unquote history. Uh, we have veterans and team leaders ready to mold these guys. Look at uh, some of our best players right now. Marcus Peters, Justin Houston, and Tyreek Hill all had question marks at the draft for one reason or another. None have caused any problems for us so far. So I thought that was a really good point that Matt made, especially adding Justin Houston to that list. Uh, I'm not going to read all of the comments here because uh, a lot of you guys had a lot of great things to say. So, uh, and again, I, I can't go uh, I, I can't go through all of them because I do want to go to another Facebook post. Uh, the, the, the tradition that we all do, uh, comments at halftime and at the end of the game. I'm going to read your end of the game comments. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, the Chiefs won an overtime. Rob said, it's the craziest game I've ever seen. Blake called it the game of the year. Jacob said, yes, with, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine S's. Uh, Mike says it was ugly, but a win nonetheless. That's that's the mindset I like, Mike. That's the mindset we've got to have. Joe also said game of the year. We definitely need another quarterback. Gaines isn't getting it done. He he had some bright moments in that game. He did. Uh, Ashley said, now that I almost had a heart attack, I'm going to bed. <laughs> Sean said Kubiak is stupid. I thought it was a tie for sure or a loss. I'll say this too. Uh, touching on the Chiefs and how they overcome adversity. There were at least three or four times in this game where I thought the game was over. Or at the very least, was going to be a tie. When the Broncos had the ball on 4th and 10, I thought, okay, they're they're probably going to pass. And with, what, 63 seconds, you may not have much of an opportunity. Maybe at this point, it'd be, it'd be better to play for the tie, especially if they convert. And, of course, that did not happen. Uh, Katie said, best game in a while. I had it picked an almost... Almost the same score. You guys need to proofread some of your posts, but it's okay. I, I get it. It was right after the game. Uh, she predicted 27-24, but uh, close enough. Uh, Matt said, we'll take it every time. Hopefully, this is a confidence builder for the offense. Incredible defense. Adrian said, felt like throwing up the entire fourth quarter. Feel so good right now. Uh, Chiefs fans were wide awake uh, into early Monday morning, by the way. Uh, so uh, the interactions went on for a long time. Uh, and I, yeah, oh, I've got a couple more, left. I have a few more left. I, I can read the rest. Uh, James said, great win for KC. Matt said, what a great team win. One of the best football games I have ever watched. Troy said, if they get Ford and Houston healthy together at the same time, look out. Rick said, a huge team win. Just what we needed to finish out the rest of the season strong. 
about three more here. Joe said, why would Simeon throw deep on third down on the last drive in OT? What a horrible play call. So dumb. Just needed 10 yards for a first down or just run it and run a screen uh, uh, so that you have a better shot at a field goal. Listen, uh, yeah, crazy play call, but it was perfectly executed by everyone except for, uh, and I, I, I had his name right in front of me, uh, Benny Fowler. I mean, he dropped it right there. That was That could have been a touchdown. Or at the very least, a uh, possession inside ooh, the red zone. I mean, th- that that really cost the Broncos the game right there. John said, last year we beat both teams from the Super Bowl. This year we beat both teams from last year's Super Bowl. We can beat the best. We just got to be more consistent. We got Oakland and Denver at our house still. Those two games determine our season. And he's absolutely right. And to add on... The Chiefs have defeated those two teams on the road. Doesn't mean you're going to automatically win at home. You've still got to go out there and fight. But uh, you like your chances even more knowing that you played them and defeated them on, on the road. Especially with that uh, three-week uh, homestand right there. I mean, that is huge for the Chiefs. Final comment here. Jason said, how did Denver blow this after the 76-yard touchdown with less than five minutes to go, great question. Like I said, uh, even then, uh, I, I thought it was over. Uh, I really did. But the Chiefs found a way to win. They found a way to win, guys. I know it's not the prettiest way to win football games, but sports are made to to drive you nuts. They really do. I mean, they force you to shout out your television. Hopefully, not break anything. Uh, it's uh, it's crazy. It really is. But Andy Reid's football team never quits. They play until the final second. That is what you can ask for. That's all we can ask for from this Chiefs team. Play until the final second. And that is exactly what they've done in every single one of their games. I know that Steelers game, not the prettiest game. But still, in that in that fourth quarter, they still went out there, tried to get a couple of points. Tried to at least go out there and finish a little bit better. Not that it would help a whole lot, especially for the fans, but they're playing in every single game until the final whistle. You've got to appreciate this Chiefs team, and they're getting a lot of national love. Alex Smith is getting praised. I mean, for all the criticism we have given Alex Smith and Andy Reid and this Chiefs offense and and the team overall, the national media is on a a roll with this Chiefs team. I mean, they're loving this Chiefs team. Ross Tucker, who uh, hosts the uh, Sirius uh, XM, uh, well, he's one of the hosts for Sirius XM's NFL channel uh, early in the morning. Uh, I was listening to him. I, I was listening to so many different uh, talk radio platforms. I mean, the local stations to the national stations. I just had to hear as many thoughts possible. And uh, Ross Tucker said the number one team in the NFL right now is the Dallas Cowboys, the second best team in the NFL. He says it's the Chiefs, which I don't know if I agree with, but man, these guys who are on the national stage who've seen football more than we have and they know about the game more than we do, and that's a pretty big statement right there. He, I mean, he even added on, and now this is obvious because I mentioned this, the, who, who he thinks is the second best team. He says that even though the Raiders are winning the division, he says the Chiefs are the better team in the AFC West. And he's not the only one to say it. Stephen A. Smith, who supposedly knows nothing, 
which I know Chiefs fans are going to change their minds about him in, in, in just a second when you hear this. Stephen A. Smith said the same exact thing. He said even though the Raiders are a great team and are winning the division, they are not the best team in the AFC West. He says it's the Chiefs. I mean, just last week, there was all this doom and gloom and pessimism with this football team. It is funny how seven days can really change everyone's mindset on a football team. Football's a crazy sport, man. I've said this before. It's only 16 games. It's not a lot. So when you lose one week, but win the following week, all the opinions and the and emotions from fans and, and the media, they change within a, in a heartbeat. Uh, I mean, this is uh, this is one of the craziest seasons you'll see. I mean, the Chiefs have gone through a lot over the years, but this is one season where they've got an opportunity to win a championship. The national media really sees the potential with this football team and what they're capable of doing. Enjoy it, guys. Let's stop with the whole ugly win mindset and let's appreciate this the set of wins. Listen. If the Chiefs win a lot of games and, and win a lot, a lot of Super Bowls this year, or win the, the Super Bowl this year, great. Who knows, though? Maybe they, they start sucking for the next 10 years. You've got to enjoy the moment. The Kansas City Royals, of course, went to back-to-back World Series, and I know, again, they didn't have the most exciting offense in the regular season those two years, but they still went and won the World Series in their second try. Now, obviously, they didn't even make it to the playoffs this year. Maybe the Royals don't even go to the playoffs for another 30 years. Who knows? Hopefully not. But if that's the case, I sure as heck hope that you enjoyed that ride the Kansas City Royals had. Enjoy this ride the Kansas City Chiefs have, because it may not last long. You know what they say about good? Th- all good things come to an end. Hopefully this doesn't come to an end anytime soon. But if it does, just enjoy the moment. Because there are a lot of teams right now in the NFL that would kill to be in Kansas City. The Denver Broncos would kill to be in Kansas City's shoes right now. Because guess what? The Broncos, they're not even in the playoffs right now. They're only, they don't even have a, a, a six seed. The Chiefs have a five seed. The Broncos wouldn't even make the playoffs if it started today. So appreciate what's going on with the Chiefs and what you have because, like I said, man, uh, only six teams from each conference can make the playoffs. That's only 12 of the 32. That's less than half. So when the playoffs start in, in the second week of January, the Chiefs are going to be one of 12 teams who the nation will be will be watching closely. And they'll be one of the 12 teams that'll have a shot at the Super Bowl. All we can ask for is for, the, uh, for a chance and for the Chiefs to keep fighting. And that is what they are doing. Appreciate it, man. Gotta love it. Crazy, crazy game. Love discussing it with you guys. Appreciate all the interaction. The Facebook and Twitter pages are beyond nuts. I have not even read every single comment. I tried to read all the comments. Uh, There is no way in hell I am able to keep up with every single comment, which is a great thing. I appreciate all of you guys on on the social media pages. If you're not part of the social media pages, it's okay. It's never too late. You're more than welcome to join. There's a wide open invitation. Facebook.com slash Sportscaster Farzine or search Farzine Vesugian on Facebook. And follow me on Twitter at 
Farzine 21. This is the Chiefs on Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Let a friend know about it. Until then, I will talk to you guys later this week. We will break down the game between the Chiefs and the Falcons. We will also go around the NFL out of bounds, and I will throw my penalty flags in that episode as well. Until then, I'll talk to you later. Take care.